You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The title of today's teaching is The Glory of God in Judgment. The Glory of God in Judgment. Mm-hmm. Psalm 82, verse 1. Just continue like that, please. Psalm 82, verse 1. Before we continue, please put your hands together for Pastor Joshua. Come on, come on, you can do better than that. I will not feel I'm, you will not feel the, you felt it, ba? Uh, in this life, I have good friends, though. In this life, I have good friends. Anyway, Psalm 82, verse 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth amongst the gods. One of the things that we know our father to be is a judge. Um, um, just before I continue, um, Pastor Josh, thank you so much for coming around. I reckon that you and your team have Sunday service to prepare for. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy time schedule to be here. We go still talk. We'll talk. Okay. I love you. We'll talk. All right. All right. So we reckon our father to be a judge. The demand of holiness, or one of the demands that holiness places on the one who is holy is judgment. You see, because you are a light, you will expose darkness, even without trying. Do you understand that? Mm, let, me, let me put it again. Um, can I have logistics? Can you switch off these front lights just briefly? Let me use it as an illustration. Switch off the front lights briefly, please. Thank you. All right. Now, while these front lights were on, I know those online cannot really see me, but it's okay. While these front lights were on, um, these lights, they were visible, but you didn't know how bright they were, right? But the moment the lights went off, the glory of these ones came out. You see, all light has to do to expose darkness is shine. That's all it needs to do. You can put them back on. Because of the holiness of God, he must be judge he is the one that has the right to judge because his his righteousness and holiness sets him as a standard by which other things must be judged a a a a, a, a statistic that other things must measure up to and so why am i saying this um, I really don't want to deviate today. But God's judgment is firmly rooted in righteousness. Every week I, I do these videos where I 
Woman of God in green um, glasses, please stand. Thus says the Lord over your life. He says that the days of weeping have come to an end. Joy follows. Uh, he says that it's a season where you will literally see flight. You will take flight. That's what the Lord says. And he says to say over your life. God says to tell you that he's not far from you. And um, your search for him in times past, you. What I'm seeing is, and I can be wrong, please. I don't have to be right. So if it's not it, just shake your head that it's not it. We go again. All right. But what I'm seeing is that there was a time and a season where you sought the Lord strongly. And even began to reach out to other people in the name of the Lord. Sort of like do some form of ministry, even though you never called it that. But the Lord, but another season came that choked out that zeal and that passion. And now you are in a period of your life, is is all of this making sense to you? You are in a season of your life, the Lord says, where you, you... more or less want to retrace back there. And the Lord says to tell you that the retracing is not by your power or by your might. It's by the spirit that he has put inside of you. If you will just see that he is reaching out, just as much as you are reaching out, you will enjoy a richer and stronger fellowship with him. And... There's a question the Spirit of God asked me to ask you, and it's a weird question. But the way he's asking me to ask you is, is I, th- I think he's asking it because you may understand better. He asked me to ask you that, what gifts did you receive? Something like that. Do you have any idea what that is? The working of the Spirit. Mm. Because I'm seeing you dream dreams specifically and tell people and um, anyway, the point is that the Lord is near you. He's not far. And all of those things that you used to experience before and it was almost as if there was a shortage. The Lord is reopening those doors for you. And um, he's speaking favor over your life as well. So those are the things the Lord said I should say over you. Thank you very much, man. God bless you. Where was I? The judgment of God. And so because of God's righteous um, standard, he has to be judged. Now, I do, I do this... Um, 
videos on YouTube every week where um, the Lord gives me, I answer questions um, biblically. And one of the questions I, I was preparing to answer was the question of um, why did Job suffer so much even when he didn't deserve it? And one of the first things that I, I said, I've not, I've not done the video just yet, it's just in my research book, is that there is nobody who does not deserve the punishment of God. There is nobody. I'm not saying Job suffered as a punishment from God, but I'm saying that if it was indeed the punishment of God, there is no one who doesn't deserve it. There is no one who is good enough to clear himself and say, I'm okay, I shouldn't be suffering. None. Because God is good. And when we see the judgment of God, we must see the goodness of God in his judgment. Listen, when a place is dark and you put on a light inside that place, the darkness is exposed. Is that correct? And if the darkness was hiding something that you didn't want to expose, the light is not evil because it exposed that thing. The light was just being light. Does it make sense? If the goodness of God leads to judgment and the judgment comes, the judgment is not evil because it is judgment. The judgment came because evil was done. Does it make sense? I'm saying all of this for a reason. And it, it is, we are fortunate that, not really fortunate, but we are thankful that um, today this is the teaching against the backdrop of conversations that were had during the week. All right. It's, and I'm saying that because many people cannot perceive that a good God must be a just God. If you can't trust the justice of God, then you can't trust his goodness. What I'm saying, did it make sense to you? If you can't trust that God is just, then you can't trust that God is good. Even when that justice may work against you. You may have had a cosmate who was a good boy or a good girl through and through. And you liked that they were good. In fact, they were your roommates. You liked that they were good people because you could be sure that you would drop your Milo in your locker. It will be 60% when you go. And when you come back, it will still be 60%. In fact, it will still be there because you have good roommates. But the downside of them being good is those days when you want to be lazy and play truant and you're looking for who will sign attendance for you, they will say no. Are you with me? You can't call them nice when they don't steal your meal, but call them wicked when they don't sign attendance for you. Both expressions are manifestations of their goodness. Are you with me? For those who don't know what I'm talking about, there's this whole um, theology that people like to hold on to that God has never killed anyone, God never kills. First of all, you must reckon that the author of life has the right to take it. He is the one that gives life. He has the right to take it. And I had a conversation with a brother during the week, and, he, and I asked him, why must you hold that view? 
why must that view, like why must you hold on to the fact that God has never killed anyone before, God does not kill, why? He said because killing is bad and God is good. And so God cannot do something that is bad. So I asked him a question. You are a man, right? He said, yes. You get married one day, he said, yes. I said, if you do get married and someone comes to your home and threatens your family with a gun and you somehow wrestle that gun from him and you get the opportunity to kill that person because if you don't, they will kill your family. Would you consider you killing that person as a bad thing? He said, no. I said, so what you have said is invariably not all killing is bad. He said, yes. I said, that means that when we talk about the issue of God taking anybody's life, the question shouldn't be whether a life was taken, is why? <laughs> Do you know the difference between murder and self-defense? Intent. Why? The laws. We have many of them. Where are they? Where Raise your hand now. Where's Tovia? Raise your hand. Uh, are you ashamed of your cause? If you are a lawyer, you know it's clap your hands. People are not clapping. But was I right? Intent. Intent. And so when we see the judgment of God, we see in the judgment of God the goodness of God. In fact, I can trust that the promises that God has made me in the Bible, I can hold on to them. Because when he promised to punish evil, I actually saw him do it. <laughs> do you know how terrible it would have been if Jesus got to the cross and he's not looking at the cross and like, hi, I might not have cleared this thing well. We'll see later, we'll see later. It would have been terrible. So when God is not promising you things, you'll not be like you that you went to the cross and you could not even fulfill. But because we saw God punish his own son on the cross, we can trust that salvation is real. Somebody paid the price. We saw God without mercy punish his son. The judgment of God reveals God's goodness. Do you understand what I'm saying? It reveals God's goodness. What I'm teaching you in theology is called paterology, the, the study of the attributes of God or the attributes of the Father, where we realize that no attribute stands alone. All of them are interconnected. If God is, righteous, if God is holy, then he is righteous. If God is righteous and set apart, then he must be just. Because one of the, the ways you judge a good man is by how willing he is to expose evil. Is that correct? It's not just enough to not do evil, but you must make sure that evil does not survive or thrive around you. Is that true? Is that true? So, for instance, let me go to an extreme case. You are a guy. You have a male friend. And that male friend comes back home one day bragging about how he raped a woman. Now, this is an extreme case, but it's to make this point. Now, you may not have raped the woman, but do you agree with me that if you do not report that person to authorities, you are an accomplice? Look at all of you shouted, yes, sir, very quickly. When I they talk before, I know they answer me. <laughs> but you agree with me that you have become an accomplice, right? You have a friend. You are a good person, no? You will never kill anybody in your life. You can't even hurt a fly. 
right? But you have this friend that comes back and he tells you, I just killed someone. Come and help me stash the body. I know that Hollywood movies will make you feel like, ha, ah, you are a true friend, you are a real one if you go and stash the body. But if you see dead body in real life, ah, you will fear. <laughs> do you agree with me that you will be an accomplice if you do not expose that evil? So, the goodness of God is not only seen in him not doing evil, but judging evil. Because who will he expose it to? He's the ultimate judge. So, we can trust that God is good because he judges it. He judges evil. If you do evil, God will judge it. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 50 verse 6, I'll just give you a couple of scriptures quickly so we can move on. In Psalm 50 verse 6, and the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. In Psalm 7 verse 11, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. <laughs> you know he's the same person that wrote this, that wrote that his mercies are new every morning. You know right? The same David that wrote that Psalm, Psalm 7 11 please. God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. <laughs> His wrath is displayed every day. The same person that wrote and taught that God's mercies are new every morning wrote and taught that God's wrath is displayed every day. If God's wrath is not displayed, His, His mercy will not be meaningful. Do you understand what I just said? Listen, if you have a child that has done something wrong and you forgive the child, the child will not know the magnitude of his offense until you explain, reveal, and express the magnitude of that offense to the child. Does it make sense? So now when, for instance, when a child wakes up in the morning, have you seen all those videos? where it's like they have WhatsApp group, all these little children that they are operating. The child will enter inside your room. I remember when I was younger. Let me use myself as an example. I was going to boarding school. One of the requirements to enter boarding school was wrappers. You're supposed to carry wrappers to school. There was a blanket, but you also have wrappers, all right, for sleeping. So my mom didn't buy wrappers. She forgot. Now is the day to pack and go to school. It's night before I'm going to school the next morning. And I used to travel to school, right? So she was packing and she was going through the list as she was packing the box. And she gets to wrappers and she realizes, I didn't buy wrappers. So she goes into her wardrobe and she picks these very expensive materials, fabrics that she got. Um, I think she called them Hollandis. Original Hollandis. Now, all of you are shouting, ha. Ah. When you are younger, you didn't know what it meant. Because I didn't know what it meant that she gave me Hollandis to take to school. So she gave me this fabric, Hollandis, to use as wrappers because she had 
a few. And mother's love, there's not, so that I won't have any problems, she sends me to school. And then I went to school, and like the rascal that I was, I misplaced the rappers. In fact, I misplaced almost everything they gave me to take to school. Like, I didn't come back with my school uniform. I only came back with the houseware I was wearing. <laughs> this was just one, so you can, I was a baby. I didn't know anything. And then I got home, and my mom is beside herself. My Hollandaise that I gave you to take to school. Where is it? I said I did not see it. She was so upset. Of course, you understand that there was a little bit of corrective measure that was applied. Yeah. Seller. So when corrective measure was applied, I now went back to my room and I was thinking to myself that for rapper, what was there in rapper? Nepa now slapped you with bill the first month. As they dropped the bill for you like this, the next month, you started putting off the lights by yourself. In fact, some people go to the extreme. When you are leaving the house, you change over to the middle. That is, in case I miss, it's two FA, two factor authentication. In case I missed anything in the house, I change over to the middle. Let's, 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 no, let's not waste money. If you do not know, the, if you don't understand the magnitude of the offense, you won't understand when you've been forgiven of that offense. So if his judgment is not revealed every day, the mercies that are new every morning won't mean anything. It will just be there. His mercies are new every morning. But when you realize that every morning you are a sinner deserving of wrath, the way Paul puts it is that we were children of wrath. That is, we deserve God's wrath. We deserved his punishment. We deserved his anger, his indignation. When, when we realize that that is who we used to be, then the mercy that is new every morning, you will now line up because you know that, ah, I need this one. If I don't take this thing, I'm in trouble. When you realize how easy it is for you to enter the... Ay. A young man came to my house the other day. He came to do something for me. As he was doing the thing, I had a vision of him. So I, I called him aside later after he was done, and I said, I gave him some words of knowledge just so that when I start telling him the vision, he will listen. So I, I told him his mom was sick. Is that correct? I said, yes, we prayed for his mom. He was like, ah, thank you, pastor. I said, good, now can I talk to you? I said, what is it? I said, when you were doing what you were doing inside, I had a vision, and I saw someone sucking your life force. It's like they were sucking from you. I said, hi, he does not. I said, let me, let me speak in plain terms. You slept with a lady this week. First of all, deny, 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 deny. I said, man of God, I'm not guessing. I can see, I, know, I can describe the lady for you if you want. So when, when he realized that, uh, okay, uh, you've caught me. <laughs> yeah, you've caught me. I said, okay, good. Now, this is the problem. First of all, it's, it's a problem that you slept with the lady, but that's... The issue now is that the person you slept with, eh, the, she has opened a doorway into your life, and the devil is using that, using that opportunity to shorten your life. He's taking things... So, the first symptom you will notice is that since the day you slept with this person, things have been leaving you. Money has been disappearing from your hand. So, ah, yes... He never actually quite related it to the lady. But since that day, yes. I said, I will continue for a while. He said, what do I do? I said, you will fast and you will pray. 
It's not me that will pray for you. You're going to pray. Many people don't realize how innocent actions affect them spiritually. Many people don't. When you do, this mercy of God that is new every morning, you will line up for it. In the morning, you just wake up and say, I see God, I've come again. Because I don't know the stupid thing I did yesterday that may be affecting me, so just have mercy again today. And many times when God exposes your error like that, is to help, is not to condemn. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is to help, is not to condemn. I agree, there are many people who would expose a person's error and use it to condemn them. I want you to know that it may have been the Spirit of God that helped them to expose the error, but the condemnation doesn't come from the Spirit of God. It's a manifestation of the flesh. Are you with me? So we ought to be grateful that God judges. Praise the Lord. Let me, let me move forward in this teaching. There are two ways that God's glory is revealed in judgment. Hmm. There is one of you, you did something. There is a type of consecration that you have been walking in that nobody has seen. Like you haven't told anybody, but it has been between you and God. Jesus. Since the fasting started, you have not missed one day of fasting. You've been praying every night for at least one hour. And most recently, I think for the last week, the Lord has been leading you to pray for cities and for nations, intercessory prayers. Raise your hand, stand up, because the Lord has words that I'm supposed to speak over your life. The Lord said, I should tell you, he has built his throne upon your devotion. Listen, and listen very carefully. The words I'm, I'm speaking, they're very, they're chosen carefully. He has built his throne upon your devotion. He said, from that devotion, Many will come. From that act of devotion, many will know him. He said that there would be such an increase of the anointing on your life. Such a great manifestation of his glory over you. Hi. What I'm seeing... What I'm seeing over you is like you've been fasting and praying and you've been drinking of rivers 
But now the Lord is taking you and is dipping you inside the river itself. So from today, you are full to overflowing. You will have a more definite expression of the anointing of God on your life. Particularly the prophetic gift. You will see by the Spirit. You will know by the Spirit. Words of knowledge will flow with ease in your life. There's something that has happened. You've, You've watched me minister. You've coveted something. The Lord says, I should say to you, that everything that you have seen and you have coveted in a measure that, than you thought was possible is coming on you in six, five, four, three, two, one. Touch in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. So God's judgment is revealed in two ways. His glory is revealed in judgment in two ways. The first is in how he judges sin. And I've, I've gone to some great distance to explain that. Um, this is a miracle service. This is not really a teaching meeting. So forgive me if my teaching is not very coherent. It's not as straightforward as it, as, as it usually is. Um, in meetings like this, we give room for the Holy Ghost to interfere meetings. <laughs> There's someone, I think you are here, you started something recently, I think as recently as last week, with children. You put together an initiative for children and um, you are looking for funding. Raise your hand. If you are in the room, raise your hand. Who's that? Anyone like that? Why is that? It's when I now count, I do not answer. Anyone like that? Five, four, three, two, one. Nobody. I'm moving on. So I've explained... I've explained to some extent how God judges sin. But let me, let me say this, because in the body of Christ today, teachings like this are not as um, prevalent as they should be. Sin is still an issue. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sin is still dangerous. Sin still kills. Are you with me? Listen, God still judges sin. And let me explain something to you. There is something known as the consequence of sin and there is the punishment for sin. A lot of emphasis is laid on the punishment for sin. That's the punishment for our sin is on Christ. But I hope you know that even though the punishment of your sin is on Christ, the consequence will still be on you. Let me explain the difference to you. I would usually use my younger brother to give this example. But today I want to illustrate better. I'm thinking of an illustration that works. Okay, stand up, Uche. Ah, let me, let me let you rest today. Osas, please come. Sophie, stand in front. These two, no, face the audience, face the audience. You're illustrating to them. These two people are God's children. Or let me say, 
this person is my daughter. Let's say she's my biological daughter. And then this person is not. Now, my biological daughter is a good fighter. She can fight. Are you with me? This one now goes to pick a fight with her. And me, I've said that anybody that should touch my daughter, I will imprison. It's a standing order. That's the punishment for touching my daughter. Prison. But this one goes to pick a fight with my daughter. My daughter now beats her up real good. But I've already predetermined that anyone that should touch my daughter, I will imprison. So after she chopped beating, I will now still send her to prison. The beating that she chopped was the consequence of her actions. You went to pick fight with who you cannot fight with. The imprisoning was my punishment. Do you understand the difference? A consequence, go and sit down, is something that happens directly as a result of the action. It is not willed upon. It is not the will of another person. It is the direct result of your actions. The punishment, however, is now a legal um, system of reward for actions that have been committed. For instance, if you save money, one of the consequences of saving money is that you will tame your appetite for material things. Are you with me? The reward of saving money is that you will have a lot of it when the time comes. I, I don't know if you understand the difference now. There is a punishment for sin. That one is already on Christ Jesus. He bore it on the cross. God judged sin once and for all on the cross. Are you with me? But the consequence of your actions, they are not judged though. You will face them. Sin is still a terrible thing. The other day I tweeted that it is in a couple of years from now that this generation will know the spiritual effect of this hookup culture that we're giving ourselves to. Fornication may seem like fun, but it is still sin. And it has consequences. Don't let anybody tell you that don't worry, Christ has paid it all. That is not, in fact, for the believer, the believer knows that it is beyond the payment. It's beyond the payment. Listen, let us assume that Christ has paid it all. That you can fornicate how you like. Christ has paid it all. Let's assume that that's correct. It's not. But let's assume it is. Have you thought of the fact that when you come back the next morning to do devotion, you can't look at God in the face? You can't look at God in the face. You can't talk to him. And so you will go one day, two days, three days, four days, no prayer. Five days, no prayer. One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, two months, three months, no prayer life. Then by the time you catch yourself, five months have gone, six months have gone. I met a young woman that she was talking to me and she was telling me that in the last one year, not this last year, a while ago, she has not attended one spiritual meeting, not been to church once, she has not prayed, she has not read her Bible. This woman used to do ministry. She used to cast out devils in their large numbers. Many people don't understand what, what the effect of sin is. Sometimes the sin 
is not to bring you in condemnation before God. That is, God will no longer talk to you. No. The devil knows that a lot of us overlook the consequences of sin and we give in to sin. And so, because we have overlooked the consequences of sin, when we give in to sin and those consequences come, we are confused. We are confused. Are you on the same page with me? So, before we talk about how God's glory is revealed in judging sin, let us agree that sin is a problem. Let's agree it's a problem. I know that um, in times past, even I have thought this before, that sin is not the problem. It's the consciousness of sin that is the problem. Mm -mm. Mm. The consciousness of sin is a problem. Are you with me? But the action of sin in itself is another problem. It is wrong theology to dismiss sin. It was so serious that Christ came to die for it. <laughs> so we don't dismiss it. We warn against it. And when somebody finds themselves in condemnation, we give them the assurance of salvation. We take John's approach. My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's our approach to sin. Our approach to sin is not, is not a problem. Our approach to it is I must not do this thing. But if because the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, I do find myself in this error, then I have an advocate with the Father. I will rest on the work of Christ that he has done for me. But outside of resting, there is work that I must do. Are you with me? Are you on the same page with me? In Philippians chapter 2, Paul was teaching. He said, just like you have done in my presence, do also in my absence. Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that is working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So, even though you do not work for your salvation, and your salvation is not something you can earn, it is something you must work out. You must, listen, there's a salvation inside of you, let it show on the outside. And it will not show without consecration. You can't party anyhow, live anyhow and say you are a Christian. You are not. You don't get it. It was so serious that Paul would come. Before he comes to a church, he will hear certain things some people are saying. And he will say, warn them. There was, there was in, in, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul was speaking. He said, listen, I'm writing to you so that when I come, I will not have to exercise the boldness and challenge some of you the way I want to. Read it. Second, that, that is what led to taking captive every thought. That, that's, that is that thought that led to it. One time, he said... Um, of whom are Hymenaeus, Philetus, and Alexandra, who have handed over to the devil to, um, to be taught not to blaspheme. Do you know what it means to be handed over to the devil? To be cast out of the local assembly. That is, they gathered themselves together and they decided this person is no longer one of us. Cast him out. That was a dire punishment in their time. In our time, you they miss service because your trials are no really smooth like that. 
sin is a serious problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In this year, as you move, make up your mind to live in consecration. Make up your mind to walk in holiness. Are we together on the same page? But as big a problem as it is, God has judged sin. Oh, thank you, Lord. God has judged sin. He, he, we read Colossians chapter 2, where the Bible says that he blotted out the certificate of debt. That is what you owed. The debt that you owed because of your sin, he blotted it out. He wiped it out. He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. We see God's glory in that way. That he saw the problem of sin, hated the problem of sin, and he took it out. Nailed it to the cross. Number two, how is the glory of God revealed in judgment? Deliverance through judgment. I wish, I wish this month had one more Sunday. There's, a, there's an additional teaching I wanted to do. I'll find the time to slot it in. Deliverance through judgment. Let me tell you something. Do you know that God still sits in heaven and judges the affairs of man? Do you know? You don't know. He does. He does. He does. The same way he sat in heaven and judged Haman. Remember Haman? In the book of Esther, the same way he sat in heaven and judged Haman is the same way God today still judges the affairs of man. I'm saying this to you because hmm, you have a father who is a righteous judge who can bring deliverance through judgment. There are certain things that you are going through that you should not be going through. There is a time as a believer that things are happening. You look to God and say, Father, behold their threatenings. Look at these things. Look at what they are saying to me. Let your justice and your judgment arise on my behalf. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, very quickly. The Bible says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Sometimes God shows himself like that. You know that the plagues that plagued Egypt, it wasn't about, they were not random. God did not just randomly say, low costs. Hmm. Let's release locusts on them. What do you think? No. God took specific gods that the Egyptians worshipped and held on to and he, ex- he executed judgment on all of them. The last one he executed judgment on was Pharaoh himself. Because Pharaoh was a god to the Egyptians. So when God said to Moses, I have made you a god to Pharaoh, God knew what he was saying. Yes, 
that where Pharaoh thinks himself to be deity, I'm actually making, I'm defying you to this guy. And then God systematically, one by one, executed. He started with the sun God. He went to denial. There are gods of fertility on the land. He, he, he targeted every one of them. It was, it was like an open show. You know that God does that a lot. Hi. God does it a lot. Open show. He wants to come out and say, who is like me? Who, 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 who? Which one of you puny little things can talk to me? Which one? And it's interesting because he gave them time. You know when Moses dropped his rod and Janice and Jambres dropped their rod, he swallowed the rod and they were, everybody was like, ah, at least the magicians dropped rod. When God started, because Moses, that one was preliminary. It was friendly. He was not really serious with it. When God started with the gods of Egypt, he gave them time. He would drop, maybe, I don't know how frequent it was, but I'm guessing it was one per week. So you see, today is Monday. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Today, I will be turning the Nile to blood. All right, so I'll give you one week to figure out how I did that. Next week, we go again. <laughs> and the gods didn't have a response. They had no response. None. We're taking this route because this is the judgment God wants to bring on the enemies on your life. Say loud, Amen. He wants to show his glory in this way. Are you with me? He wants to reveal his glory in this way. As a church, we have a healthy doctrine on suffering. In this world, there will be persecutions. We agree. In this world, there will be suffering. We agree. But I want to tell you that there are certain things that are suffering that are not supposed to be. And listen, the believer, yes, we know that there will be times when we'll have to endure hardship. But the same Bible that teaches you to endure hardship teaches you that you should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? The same Bible that teaches you to endure hardship told us that Jesus went about and he was casting out devils and healing the sick. And so we see that there is a provision in our theology to understand that, yes, tough times may come. But there is also a provision to arrest the works of the devil when he begins to masquerade as tough times. Did anybody understand what I just said? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Open your Bibles to Mark 1, 22 to 25. So we'll read two more versions of Scripture. Jesus Christ. Two more verses of Scripture, two more passages of Scripture, and then we'll pray a bit, then we'll wrap this meeting up. Mark 5, are you there? Mark 1, rather, 22 to 25. I'm skipping my notes. And they were astonished at his doctrine... For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Verse 24. 
saying, let us alone. So, hey, let me tell you something about unclean spirits. You know they hide a lot. They like to hide. You will see a madman walking on the road, and you will think he's just mad. Maybe great reading has made him mad. Then the moment you apply the anointing to that situation, you will now start to expose those unclean spirits. They will start to cry out. They will start to run away. I remember a young man I was praying for, myself and a couple of brothers, um, at the end of last year. The demon had said many things. Um, so we laid hands on him. We had prayed for him. The demon manifested, manifested, manifested. Cried out from his mouth. Said many things. Blah, blah, blah. We finished talking. And when the demon finished talking, after a while, everyone was now quiet. So we're now thinking, ah. You know, it looked like the demon had gone. He was trying to deceive us. But we knew better. So we, we shifted. We now put hand on the stomach and one on the leg. Immediately, I, I was the one touching the leg. Immediately, I touched the leg. The demon cried out again. He went to hide there. These things are real. I'm telling you. Last year at campfire, there was a lady. I can't remember. Do you know if I, I don't remember who it was? But I know I prayed for someone. As I was ministering, the power of God picked her. The devil cried out from her. So she started manifesting under the influence of the devil. Manifested, manifested. I walked to her, laid hands on her. She fell under the power of God on the floor. And then she was still for a bit. I, I was about to go. I looked back and I caught that devil where he was hiding. So I called my wife. I said, please come. Put your hand on her stomach. As soon as my wife touched her stomach like this, Wah! she started screaming again. Demons like to hide. So when Jesus had taught in the synagogue, the teaching came with so much authority and anointing that the demons were exposed. They cried out. Are you with me? Leave us alone. What have we to do with you, you Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know you, who you are. You are the Holy One of God. This is the glory of God revealed. Jesus finished teaching. Oh, the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus finished teaching. And the demons, they couldn't, the glory of God saturated everywhere. It brought judgment to them. Immediately, they saw God's glory and they asked, have you come to destroy us? Have you? Jesus didn't address them. Jesus didn't walk up to them and say, go now. No. Because that's what the glory of God does. That's how the judgment of God works. When light comes, it exposes darkness. Are, are you on the same page with me? Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and who went about destroying all the works of the devil. Continue. Next verse. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold your peace. Come out of him. I want you to trust God for this. Say this after me. Say the anointing of God is strong on my life. We'll repeat those confessions in a minute. Final, verse, final portion of scripture. Psalm 2 verse 1 to 4. I want us to chorus this one together. Open your Bible. Psalm 2, verse 1 to 4. Are you there? Everybody read together. One, two, go. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Verse 2. 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, verse 3, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. This was God's response. Verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derison. Are you there? He that sits in heaven laughs. Listen, God is never threatened. He's never threatened. It will never so happen that the devil will move and then God goes, no, he's never threatened. I'm saying this to encourage you. There is nothing that you are going through that threatens God. Nothing you are going through. Nothing you are going through. Pray in the language of the Spirit. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.